0: Welcome to the SCC English podcast number 23. This is Julian Gurnham from St. Columbus College in Dublin in Ireland. Look up our blog sccenglish.ie for more about us. This week is our sixth King Lear revision podcast and the final one. And appropriately, I'm looking at the end of the play. Exam candidates tend to write too much on the opening scene of King Lear at the expense of the end and thus unbalance their essays. You already know from the vision and viewpoint mode of your comparative study how crucially important the ends of texts are in their impacts on readers and audiences. The end defines the tragedy. To give an example, consider the ends of two other plays by Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet and A Midsummer Night's Dream. Now I'm going to read out a brief extract from Tony Tanner's Everyman introduction to the former play. He puts Romeo and Juliet in a selection of comedies, what he calls a rather perverse case of special pleading. And he writes, Romeo and Juliet fails of being a comedy by something under a minute. Juliet wakes up from her pseudo-death, 27 lines after Romeo has committed suicide. Tanner goes on to show how much Romeo and Juliet has in common with A Midsummer Night's Dream, the comedy which Shakespeare wrote virtually simultaneously with it. He summarises, In the one play, Shakespeare explores how comedy can suddenly change and veer precipitately into tragedy. He shows how everything can go terribly wrong. In the other play, he demonstrates how things can all go magically right. King Lear could so easily also have been a comedy, or at least a play with a comic structure. And indeed, as I've said in previous podcasts, for much of its existence, The regularly performed version was indeed a comedy. Notoriously rewritten by Nahum Tate in 1681, the character Lear survived and the audiences were treated to the classical happy marriage, bizarrely between Cordelia and Edgar. Only the four bad characters, Goneril, Regan, Edmund and Cornwall, died. If you'd like to have a look at this for a little giggle, I've put a link onto our blog post at sccenglish.ie. Scroll through to page 66. Lear addresses Kent at the end like this. Thou, Kent and I, retire to some cool cell, will gently pass our short reserves of time in calm reflection on our fortune's past, cheered with relation of this prosperous reign of this celestial pair. And following this, Edgar concludes rather sweetly with these the last lines of the play. Divine Cordelia, all the gods can witness how much thy love to empire I prefer. Thy bright example shall convince the world whatever storms of fortune are decreed, the truth and beauty shall at last succeed. The end. Ah, bless. Mind you, we can't blame Nahum Tate unduly. The major source for Shakespeare, the true chronicle history of Lear and his three daughters Gonoril, Ragon and Cordella, also ends happily, with Lear and Cordelia reunited. It's Shakespeare who introduced the idea of Cordelia dying. In no other version of the story does she do so. The real end that you have to write about in your exam is famously brutal and bleak. Kent speaks for all of us when he says, all's cheerless, dark and deadly. But it's also important to state that this play could have been a comedy, If Romeo and Juliet fails to be a comedy by just under a minute, then King Lear fails to be one by not much longer. Edmund sends an officer to kill Cordelia on his speech from line 27 onwards, and the captain retorts on line 40, If it be man's work, I'll do it, and he sets off to do it. Just over 200 lines later, Edmund admits his writ is on the life of Lear and Cordelia. Nay, send in time. So this is actually a comedy short of perhaps about five minutes. Our expectations are toyed with. Shortly beforehand, a gentleman runs in panting with a bloody knife. Help, help, oh help, he exclaims, and then, tis hot, it smokes, it came even from the heart of, (gasps) oh, she's dead. And in that moment, we're sure that everything is too late, that Cordelia has died, despite the rescue squad. A split second later, the gentleman tells us, and Albany, that it was goneril, and that Regan is also poisoned. So, as an audience, our hopes have been raised. The bad sisters are off to hell, and Cordelia will be rescued. The short time between Edmund's supposed confession, and Lear's arrival with Cordelia, leaves as little time to settle down. We're stunned that just six lines after the messenger leaves, with a token of reprieve from Edgar, Lear staggers in, under the weight of his dead darling daughter, In other words, the earlier Oh, She's Dead had psychologically disarmed us as an audience of this possibility. Cordelia's death changes everything in this play and determines the vision and viewpoint of its end. Is there anything to hold on to in all this darkness? The lines you need to be very clear about before your exam are Lear's last ones, as he cradles his dead daughter in his arms. They are And my poor fool is hanged no 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 life why should a dog a horse a rat of life and thou no breath at all Thou will come no more never 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 pray you undo this button thank you sir do you see this look on her look her lips look there look there following which he dies as the critic stephen booth points out Lear produces a series of tests for signs of life, her breath, the feather, and, quote, Now again, on the basis of what passes Cordelia's lips, he listens for and thinks he hears her voice. As the tests echo one another, they also echo the test at the beginning of the play, the test in which Cordelia could not heave her heart into her mouth. As he did in the first scene of the play, Lear strains to hear Cordelia speak and hears nothing. End quotation. There are two broad schools of thought about this moment. And for the leaving certificate, don't dither, decide your angle. Lear has already said this feather stirs and thought he heard her speaking, but it is obvious to the audience that she is dead. Now, either this is a consolation, in other words, at least he died happy, or it is a further depressing blindness in a play full of such delusions. The critic, Tony nuttle writes that the very intensity of lear's joy increases our sense of his error and so deepens the pathos as with all shakespeare's tragedies after the death of the protagonist the end comes shockingly quickly and we're dumped back into the real world with lear's death filling our mind or hamlet's death or macbeth's or othello's edgar typically gets it wrong at once he faints he says Kent's heart breaks, and he's ready to go on his own journey to join his master. And Edgar's final speech, the wrapping up of this great play, is a mere four lines. The weight of this sad time we must obey, speak what we feel, not what we ought to say. The oldest have borne mo- hath borne most, we that are young shall never see so much, nor live so long. There's no consolation here, no mitigation of the dark horror of what we have seen. Again, here is Tony Tanner, quote, Although at the end, Edmund and Albany are left to sustain the gourd state, there is no sense of restoration, restitution, let alone of regeneration. There is nothing redemptive here. We have the sense of a few benumbed and cheerless survivors surrounded by the harvest of the released chaos and evil of the play, end quote. And as Tanner adds later, we are the survivors. Well, I hope you don't feel too much like benumbed survivors at the end of your two-year course and study of this play. You have had a chance to engage with one of the great dramas of history. And in your answering in the exam, make sure you express this engagement. Respond openly to it. Show what you know and how you think and feel. Use the word I plenty of times. All the best.